everyone, and welcome to another episode of Failure Friday, where we talk to my friends, family, clients, and complete strangers about how failure has brought them here into their careers, or per whether it's in their personal life or their careers, or how it's projected them forward into a better person, a better business owner, a better employee. And today we have a good friend of mine, Sydney Jones, and I want to thank you so much, Sydney, for coming on. It's sometimes in life, it doesn't happen often, at least for me, you just meet people where you click and it's not forced and you don't have to try really hard to have conversation. And Sydney was that for me. We went to dinner, it was really our first time hanging out. And then I'm pretty sure I ended up just spending the night talking for hours. I think we went and got some drinks and um, learned a lot about her. She's just a really cool chick. And she has written a cookbook called A Country Girl's Guide to Thanksgiving. And when I stayed the night at her house, I tried her chocolate chip cookies. So I can vouch that I tried many of her chocolate chip cookies. I can vouch that she is a amazing cook. And uh, Sydney, why don't you just take the floor and kind of tell us about yourself and what life events brought you to the doorstep of your passion, that is cooking. Well, first of all, I'm so excited to do this and I could not agree more with meeting you and just instantly clicking. I was kind of sad whenever I had to leave shortly after that night that you're talking about because we did bond so fast and I'm just so grateful for our friendship even though now it's thousands of miles away. So thank you for having me and yeah, I I think for me, I... Um, always grew up around a family of amazing cooks. So my mom, my aunt, my grandparents, everybody in my family outside of my dad um, cooked all the time. And so from a young age, I was in the kitchen, making things with my mom, experiencing, you know, everything that would happen around the holidays. And I never looked at it as like a career because no one in my family did that. We would do pretend cooking shows when I was little. Um, but it never was something that anyone ever said, oh, you could turn this into a career or like a passion that you could, um, you know, push into, into your adult life. And so I went on my life. I went to college. I would cook for all of my friends. I would cook for anyone that would let me really at that point because I was just practicing and trying new things and trying my mom's recipes that I had never personally cooked without her. And it just grew and grew and grew. And then when I was in college, I just was really going through a point where I was like hating what I was doing. And I just was, I went through a rut and then fast forward to now where I am uh, with Sydney, I had made the Thanksgiving uh, meal for him last year. And he was like, you really could turn this into like a business. And that like the light bulb just went off because I was like, well, that is something that I'm, I'm going to cook for the rest of my life and I love it. And I had never, ever, ever thought of it that way. So it just took one person looking at me and saying like, this could be your career, your your business. And I, it just- Well, wait, one person, but a very special person to you. Right, yes. It wasn't just like, like my, yeah. my husband. <laughs> yeah, the one person that would know enough to not lead me in a direction of like, the okay, one person who's also going to yeah. keep it so real with you, like if your food mm -hmm. sucked, you'd be like, babe, this is not trash. your thing. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he would be like, let's order out again <laughs> for the sixth <laughs> time this week. <laughs> no, I know. I think coming from him, because a lot of people don't know this about Sydney, but when we first started dating, he's a very picky eater. And he was not that person that would try something and be like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Like he never ranted and raved about food. And so when he would like something of mine and I could tell, it was like this confidence booster. So when he tried the Thanksgiving meal and he was like, you could turn this into a business, I knew that I was like, oh yeah. That he, it must real. be really good, yeah. I want, I want to rewind for a second because you, the purpose of this podcast is to help people uh, who are in a similar situation, not as far as you are, with their journey by talking about yours. That's the main purpose of this podcast. And you said that you hated what you were studying in college. I think that's a really common problem a lot of people experience. What were you doing? Why did you hate it? How many times did you switch? And what did you graduate with? So that's the thing. I actually ended up dropping out of college um, because Beautiful. I, I was going to school for entrepreneurship and business management. And I think I always like wanted to go to college because I was, I grew up in Oklahoma and I was a diehard o OU fan. And I was like, I'm, all, I'm just gonna grow up and I'm gonna go to college. But I never really had a grip on what I wanted to do with that. And so when it was time, you know, you're in high school and you're having to figure out like, okay, when I go to college, like I kind of have to have something that I'm working towards. And I always had heard the advice from my mom and my dad to work smarter, not harder. And both of them have their own businesses. They've always worked for themselves. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just go to school to be an entrepreneur, you know? Like I'll, I'll, I wanna work for myself. I wanna be on my own schedule. And so I went to school uh, to OU and freshman year, you know, good. You're, you're meeting people you're taking classes. And I remember towards the end of my freshman year, I was like, I don't think I'm learning anything about how to start a business, how to think outside of the box. I feel like I'm learning more from watching YouTube videos. I feel like I'm learning more from talking to my parents and their friends, but Probably I was were. only a freshman at that point. So I was like, okay, gotta keep going, you know? And at this point, I was in a place where all of my friends that I was meeting and the people that had went with me from high school to college were all going to school to be like lawyers, doctors. They were very driven in what they were going to do and they had it all planned out. They knew what classes they needed to take, what steps they needed to do. And I just kind of felt lost already. I was like, I don't feel that passion with this that they're all feeling. But went into sophomore year, I got it was so miserable in sophomore year. I, I ended up switching my major and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go into marketing. And I was like, no, like I'm spending, my parents <laughs> no. were spending all this money for me to come here and I'm having to take a class that has nothing to do with where I wanna go in life or I'm not even learning like values here. So I kind of didn't, I didn't have the mindset that I was just gonna like drop out of school and never go back. But I was like, I just need a break to figure out what I want. If what I'm going to school for is even worthwhile, like if I need to switch my major, um, then I should do that. But I'm not learning what I feel like I should be learning. And it was getting harder because all of my friends were progressing. 
so I ended up having a breakdown in an airport with my mom and this was my second semester uh, in my sophomore year and I was just like I'm miserable I feel like I'm spit like I'm dreading every day going to school I'm not learning anything I feel like everyone around me is taking strides and I want to be making money now like I want to make money now I want to uh, you know move forward with something and I felt like so far behind and at this point I was already dating Sydney my husband and he was a rookie in the NFL at this point and I think I caught myself comparing where I was in life to him and I, I saw him have this passion every day that he was putting 110% of his effort into and I would see him have goals that were 10 years down the road and I was like I feel so lost I feel like I'm not working towards anything like that and so I had that breakdown in the airport my mom was like well why don't you just take a break and when someone told me that that was okay I was like oh my gosh it was like the weight yeah. of the world went off my shoulders I was like okay you were looking so for that I, validation yes exactly so I ended up um finishing that out and then summer came and I was like I I'm I need to figure out myself first what I want before I go back into school and long story short I never went back to school and I went and got my license for permanent makeup so, oh yeah! That was the next thing, yeah. <laughs> I've totally forgot about that step. Oh my gosh! So when I met yeah. you, that's what you introduced yourself as. Yes. So yeah. Would that's you what say that you were passionate about that? Well, so this was back to the feeling like I needed to have something figured out and needed to have some. I've I've always had a job since I was ten years old, even if that was just working for the neighbor's, um, uh, the neighbor's tax shop, which was leather goods. So I would go there at 10 years old and I would clean up the floors, feed their animals, do all the things. And so for my whole life, I've had a job. When I met Sydney and I dropped out of college, I was like, okay, now I feel like I have nothing. I felt like a loser, honestly. So I was like, what do I like to do? And I like to do makeup. And everybody always told me, oh, your makeup looks so good. And it does, by the way. Thank you. And so I was like, well, like how could I? Well, thank you. I threw this on, but I did have a passion for that. And since I was probably 13 years old, I was watching YouTube videos about how to do makeup, but there wasn't a ton of money involved in just doing makeup for someone, unless it was prom or somebody's uh, wedding. So I was like, I kind of want to make a little bit more money than that. So I was like, well, what about microblading? That was really big at that time. And I looked into it and I found that I could go to school. I could pay the same amount to get fully licensed um, to do permanent makeup that I would pay in a semester at OU. So oh, wow. I was like, yeah. So I was like, I might as well go and do this and we'll just, you know, go from there. So. I think I've always had a passion for makeup. As far as permanent makeup, I think I, I was rushing into the next thing to have some career, to feel like I'm being driven, to feel like I have like purpose. So I was good at it, went and got certified. And then I started working in Texas and Sydney and I ended up getting an off season apartment there. I would stay in Texas and do my business and he would go away for the season. Um, I love the money that I made and I, I liked the success that I had, but it was once again, it was like, I don't think I want to be doing this in 10 years.
Like I don't, yeah, it, it wasn't yeah, there. I, I think that something that's really important that people get caught up in, I, I think maybe it's just the world around us or society tells us that we have to make a lot of money doing something in order to be happy. And that could not be farther from, for some people, yes, that it, that their drive is money. But for some people, it's a specific task. Like you can love doing makeup. You can love doing your own makeup, but doing makeup and getting paid to do other people's makeup the way that they want you to do it, which could be very different from the way you like to do it, does not mean you have to love that. Yeah, that's where I found myself too, was like, people would come in and they would have, they would give me a description of what they want and they would show me, you know, Kim Kardashian's face. I was just respectfully, um, that's just not your shape of face. We can make what looks great for you. And I found that I had more anxiety doing that job than I had joy because I never knew the person's reaction on the backside. I knew that I did a great job for what I thought looked good for them. But for what they were wanting, I would always have so much anxiety. And I was like, this just isn't worth it. Like, yes, I had some financial freedom. Yes, I felt like I was succeeding. But every day felt more like nerves and anxiety going into it than I did excitement. And I think for me, I had got caught up in trying to look a certain type of way and I'll just be honest and say I probably was trying to look a certain type of way for even social media and peers because being young and dating a professional athlete people naturally were like oh wow it's just ironic that she drops out of college you know when she's dating somebody who's made it and I think I had a little bit of ego and a little bit of pride and not wanting people to think that about me that I was like no I need to jump into something right away I need to be making money and it needs to be the type of money that people think I'm somewhat of my husband's equal and oh now girl, you are grown, speaking to my soul right now like holy yeah. shit yes it, it's so I don't real we don't talk about this enough like I think I talked when I had Micah on a couple weeks ago I think we briefly touched on this but it is so hard to live in the shadow of a professional athlete husband it is because anything you accomplish is as soon as people find out that what your husband does your accomplishments are suddenly a lot less impressive like for example I took my car to the car wash and people are, are washing my car and they're complimenting my, this is just a little example of, of just like how it just shuts me down. Cause it's an insecurity, right? It's this facade we just have to ex- expect about the rest of our life. People are washing my car and uh, somebody goes, well, I wonder what she does. And I want one thing to be abundant. I work my ass off. And um, she goes, well, her husband plays in the NFL. That's how she got the car. And it was just like a shot in the stomach. And I feel, I feel like so many of us, and if you're an NFL wife and you don't work, and even if you're an NFL wife and you don't work and you don't have kids, there's no shame in that. I am not ever talking down to that, that woman. But for some of us, it is so important for us to have something that is our own. I'm one of, I'm one of those people and so are you. Yeah. So it's just, oh, that is such, that's why I did not talk about Sydney at all. I want to go on record saying Sydney brought up Sydney. I did. I did. <laughs> and I think, I think I have learned now not to shy away from that because he has proven to be such a good support system. And I feel like he's a big For part sure. of my life and I want to honor that. 
but I have found myself in that situation that you just talked about, not necessarily with a car, but Sydney, before we got married, actually, even to this day, I think the only designer thing he had ever bought me was one pair of boots. And that was after we were married that I had waited for. But I felt this need that every time I had a purse that was nice to nonchalantly drop in there that Sydney didn't get that for me. And I yes. feel like I was trying to, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was pride or ego or just not wanting to be looked at a certain type of way, just because I know who I am. And like what you said, nothing wrong with people that do stay at home or, cause I right now technically do stay at home and work, but I mean, my cookbook was a ton of work and everything that I'm doing now is working towards something, but there but was a yours. time. Exactly. And I would find myself doing that like wanting people to know like oh no like he didn't get this for me and I think I'm still dealing with that sometimes because now the new thing is like well her book was successful because of who he is and in, instead oh, of it just sure. being you know what I'm saying instead of it just being like because I've worked hard for it and I'm talented in this area or it's something that I'm uh, put a lot of effort into and people respect that it always comes back to who your husband is, who your boyfriend is, you know? And I'm yeah. still working through that. It's something we'll deal with the rest of the rest of our lives. And I think that just talking about it and it makes me feel better. And I hadn't ever really talked about that out loud until I started this podcast. And I, it makes me feel so good to know that y'all feel the same way too. <laughs> Misery loves company. But okay, so when you, decided to stop doing makeup when did when was the last straw when was the moment where you had that come to jesus event and you were like i don't want to do this anymore so for the makeup i am a big person i think for me i have always struggled with not quitting you know like you always stick things out and because i had quit college I was like I can't give up on this like I gotta like stick this out I gotta prove to myself to my family to Sydney at this point that I'm not just gonna pick up something and then drop it and pick up something and drop it right. so I did the makeup thing for a couple of years um, but then when Sydney and I got engaged um, I never lived with him until we got engaged so we would do long distance during season so he would go out to Philadelphia I would stay in Texas and I would work because I said I'm gonna have my my own money I'm gonna have my own career until we have that full-on commitment to each other in marriage and that was just something that we agreed on so I was certified to do makeup in Texas or permanent makeup in Texas and in Pennsylvania. So I would go out there for two weeks at a time and I actually had clients in Philly as well. So I would work in Texas, work a little bit in Philly. Well, the year that we got engaged, which was last, last September, um, we ended up getting cut from the Eagles and had to move to Jacksonville where I eventually met you. And in Florida, I was not certified to do permanent makeup there. So everything kind of fell apart then. Plus it was COVID. So I was yeah. like, at this point, I'm either gonna have to go back to school and pay more money to get certified in Florida to do this, or I'm gonna have to not work for a few months. And we were living together at this point. So there was no going back and forth to Texas. Plus with COVID, you know, I wasn't traveling at all. 
So by the time I would have got recertified in Florida, I would have spent more thousands of dollars, had to build a whole new clientele out there, and it would have taken up the whole season. Plus, I didn't know how long we were going to actually be in Florida. So I ended up not working at all last off season or last season, which was very, very tough for me. I think it was a lot of things. I didn't know anyone out there. I had just quit making money, having like money coming in. Sydney had to help me with my car payment a little bit. And I was like, okay, I, I now what? And so then I found myself at that same mental break that I was having in the airport last season. And I was like, what am I gonna do? And so then I was just cooking all the time. And that was the Thanksgiving, last Thanksgiving that Sydney looked at me and was like, you could turn this into a business. And I never, ever looked back. Like I, it was like the minute I got back to Texas, I was like, no, I, I don't want to do makeup anymore. And people to this day still like reach out to me and I'm like, no, I don't want to do permanent makeup. I'm sorry. So no, but setting those, those boundaries, boundaries are huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I'll recommend you to other people, but, and, and for a little bit, that was kind of hard because you would make, you know, a couple hundred dollars for an hour. And I was like, that's just hard to turn down. But then I was finding that if I was going to start confusing my passions, like I'm not going to get to the goal that I want. So I was just told people like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm moving on. And, and, and at first, when you kind of tell people like you're going into like cooking, they're like, like what? Like, are you gonna open a restaurant or something? And I'm like, no, I don't know what I'm gonna do yet, but I'm, this is what I'm gonna work towards. So that's past off season, instead of working in permanent makeup, I was just testing recipes all the time <laughs> and making a YouTube channel. Right. It, it is an amazing cookbook. I bought one, but I actually gave it away to a client because I had it in my office and they were looking through it and they were like, wow, this is, these look delicious. Like probably maybe almost a month ago. She was like, these, oh, wow, these look a dish. I was like, take it, take it. <laughs> I was like, I'll just get another one. Yeah. She, um, yeah, I'll have to show you what she texted me about. It was really cool. Okay, so out of all of the failures we just, I, I don't even wanna call them failures, like, but I think part of this entire podcast is changing the way failure sounds and tastes in our mouth. It, it, that you felt like it was a failure, but in some way it projected you forward to what you do now. So out of all, all of your failures or missteps, which one really propelled you forward to taking that first step with your cookbook and then tell me what that first step after you made the realization that this is what I'm gonna do what was it oh so um okay so I definitely think getting out of the college experience was the first step for me all the way back in 2018 because all the I way had back. Oh, <laughs> okay back in 2018 that's that's when I ended up uh, dropping out of college I think I had just been watching like society and just being told that like as a woman the next thing you got to do to to be a career driven business successful woman you got to go to college graduate with honors so I that's what I was gonna do and then when I realized like I'm just miserable and I have a choice now plus I had a lot of respect for my parents because I'm like I'm not gonna make you pay thousands of dollars because they were willing to pay for my college as long as I was going and you know doing it I was like I don't want you to do that when I'm not even I'm miserable I'm not into what I'm doing so the first step for me was stepping away from how it was gonna make me look 
in other people's eyes, like all of my friends that were, like I said, doctors, lawyers, medical school, had all these visions. And then all of a sudden I tell them I'm dropping out. Plus it was bad timing because I had just started dating Sydney at the time. So I was like, now that really is going to look a certain type of way. But I had to really sit with myself and say, this is my life. And I've always been a person that doesn't want to waste time. I don't want to waste anything. I feel like I've always been about 10 years ahead of my age, just mentally. I'm an old soul. And I was, I was okay with being different than everyone. I was okay with having a different path. And I knew that in the end, whatever I did find would be my passion and my career would end up paying off and people would have respect for me down the road. So that first decision of dropping out and knowing that people were gonna have opinions, that was the first thing I think that led me into the journey. And as far as into my cookbook and finding what that was gonna be, just some personal things that Sydney and I had went through. Um, We got married and I think we had a lot of expectation that we would get married and we would have kids. And when that didn't happen, I kind of was like stuck in this, you know, that feels like a failure in a way. And I was, I kind of was like, now what? Like I, my whole life, I just had it planned out that we would get married and we would have kids and all these things would happen. And then we ended up getting traded. Um, All of these things were going on. And I was, I, I was back in that feeling of like, okay, this kind of feels a little bit like a failure, even though I know that God has plans for everything. But I, I think that pushed me into saying, what can I can, what can I control? And this is my opportunity. This is the perfect time for me to put my money where my mouth is and turn this cooking passion into a business and have something to show for it. And I actually had listened to a podcast um, from these, these guys, they're on YouTube and they have a podcast called The Roommates. And I was listening to them back in, I think May, and they had someone on there and he was a guy who in his late 20s was living in a basement, really didn't have, I, I might not be remembering it perfectly, but was not very happy with where his life was. But he started to become a personal trainer. And from there, he started to build these clientele. He was working super hard. And he had all of this knowledge from how to go from being living in a basement to basically becoming very successful in a short amount of time through hard work and finding what your passion is. And he talked about writing a book. And he said, when I wrote my first book, it's something along the lines of when he wrote his first book, he knew that not a ton of people would buy it, but he wanted to be able to look back in 10 years and say, I've at least written one book in that time. Like to me, that felt like success to actually sit down, write a book, produce it. And the knowledge that's in the book will always be good knowledge. Even if somebody isn't blowing it up, you know, and it hasn't hit New York Times bestseller, whatever society says takes it successful, um, at least I would have done it. And I remember thinking, okay, that's what I got to do. Like here I am in my life. The opportunity is perfect. Um, There's nothing that I can use as an excuse to not do this. So I sat down and I was like, I'm going to do this. And I remember downloading the book right on my laptop because I did everything myself, all the photography, the testing. That is awesome. I I didn't know that. Yeah, I did everything myself. So I bought it. Sydney invested in me and bought me a camera and I took some (laughs) lessons on how to take food photography and I did everything and I was like, I don't care if five people buy it. I don't care if 500 people buy it, whatever that is. I just need to get something done for myself to really progress this forward. Since having the cookbook out, 
the opportunities that I have been given just through having a book has been crazy. Like, so it, I think everything that a lot of people could say is a failure or could have been looked at as a failure. If I would have looked at it like, I'm, or I guess stayed in the mindset that I was failing, because I think we all, or at least for me, there are moments where something happens and it does feel like a failure. You're comparing yourself, you're seeing what, you know, your significant other's doing, what your friends are doing. So I would find myself comparing myself to like a 35 year old and I was 22 and I didn't let myself stay there. I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna fail. I know that in 10 years and 15 years and five years, I'm gonna have moved forward as a person, as a friend, and in my business, whatever that is. And I think by having that mindset, it pushed me forward and kind of took away some of the fear that I would have. And like, if I do this cookbook and it doesn't sell out, I had already prepared myself for back to what that podcast said, but at least I did it. And at least I made something out of yes. what I said I was going to do. And so. there's also something to say about it. I, I haven't written, I wrote a children's book, which isn't necessarily, it's a, it's in the industry space. It's about financial literacy, teaching them to children and the children that particularly need it. But there's something to say about writing about whatever industry you're in finance that just organizes your thoughts. For me, even writing that children's book made it, made me start thinking about, all right, what's the next step in my business? Like, what do I need to learn more about in order to prevent plateauing? Because I have the fear of being stagnant. I have a, personally, I have a fear of not growing. And I've learned because like you said, comparison is the thief of all joy. And in the beginning of my career, I, I was, and I did the same thing you did. AJ and I were dating, we were long distance. I was not going to move to Jacksonville until I, we were more serious. So I just continued, continued on with my career. And that was the best thing I, I could have done. Um, but I got to a point where I, I needed to grow in different areas. And I think that it's so important to, if it's not your spouse, it's not always gonna be your spouse, guys. And don't think you're in a bad relationship if your spouse isn't behind you 100% with little flag. AJ to this day ha really doesn't understand what I do. But if that's not, if your spouse is not full head on, like it's easier for Sydney to support cooking because he loves your cooking. It's really hard for AJ to look, yeah, he sees it, he sees the growth. But for my husband looking at a candlestick chart or listening to Bloomberg or reading Barron's, like that is not interesting to him. It's so important to have people in your life that are not only your cheerleaders, but are reminding you to use yourself as a benchmark. Look at yourself 12 months ago. Look at yourself a year ago. Look at yourself five years ago. That's the type of growth that is not only measurable, but it's also meaningful. And I think that that's, especially with the age of social media, it's so hard. It's simple and it's fundamental in the, in the way we understand it, but it's so hard to actually apply that knowledge. Like who gives a shit about what the next person is farther along or behind you? Compare yourself to yourself. And I think that in such a small amount of time, how just the flips you've done from 180 to, to one side of the spectrum to the other, but to be able to accept that and use it as an example of how it got you here is, is pretty awesome. I mean, your cookbook, and I'm not just saying this to blow smoke up your pretty little butt, 
but it is pretty amazing. And I can't cook worth the damn, worth the damn. I started a food train for Mary. Like I initiated her food train. For, for those who don't know, when you have a baby, a food train is where people just keep bringing your food. And then I burned the crap out of my day's food. I didn't even bring her any food. Mary didn't even get any food for my food train because I cannot cook. But I, one thing, you're also Italian, so it says a country girl's guide to Thanksgiving, but are there any Italian influences in your cookbook? So the reason I did country girl's guide is because like I said, I grew up in Oklahoma. So our Thanksgiving, we always kept it really traditional to like the American Thanksgiving dinner that you have. Um, and so in this specific cookbook, no, there's not. Now in the Christmas one that I'm gonna do that will be out next yes. year, that one's gonna be an Italian style Christmas. So that one I'm really excited to, for, to do. I'm excited about that one. Yeah, I'm really excited. So that I definitely, and then I think I'm gonna do an Easter one. So what my goal is now is to do the holidays and get like the holiday collection done. So we'll have Thanksgiving, Easter, Christmas, and then like a summer one that covers, you know, all of your little summer holidays. Um, so for the that. Easter one, there's going to be some traditional Italian stuff in there too, because I think now we're in a, a time where people really embrace other cultures. So even if that's not oh, the yeah. culture that you grew up with, a lot of people are interested in what does this culture do on this holiday and how do they celebrate? And so for the next cookbook, yes, there will definitely be some Italian stuff in there. I would love to see your, your a cookbook on like different uh, like a Caribbean cookbook or just like different takes because I love doing that and when it comes to food I love experimenting with other cultures because there's just so many different flavors out there and America likes to take other cultures food specifically like when you go to Italy you're never gonna taste spaghetti like how you have it here it's just that does not or pizza same thing if you go to Mexico it's so I would love to see an authentic take cookbook on I, I would love it I'm gonna buy all of them but I'm gonna I just pretty much that is the goal that's the goal because I think it's important that if you're going to try another culture's food that you try to get as close to what you would experience if you were there or somebody from that culture was making it for you so a lot of that has to do with ingredients that you're using what is considered authentic and what isn't like fettuccine alfredo does not exist in italy like that's a no. very italian american thing so it's also kind of expanding people's idea of a culture's food because people look at italy and they think it's literally all pizza and pasta when there's so much more to it so i think what i would do is definitely do the holiday ones the uh, christmas and the easter because that has a lot of like traditional italian food in it and then eventually I would like to just do a cookbook with like what my household favorite recipes are. And that's just good for all the time. Always. So what could someone not quite where you are in the process learn from your experience? I think it just, I really believe it comes down to knowing yourself and kind of like what you had said at the beginning of this is we in society measure success with money and that's not the case. I think when you love something that you're doing, eventually the money will follow, but that's because you have the passion to put in hours of work. You have the passion to do the research that you need to do to 
have the discipline to do that. And I figured out with me, if I wasn't in it, if my heart wasn't in it, then I couldn't have the discipline that it was gonna take to ever make that successful. So I think it comes down to knowing yourself. And if you're in something that is not serving you and you can't even manifest goals in that, you can't see yourself in 10 years being proud of where you are in that career. If you don't love it now, you probably won't ever love it. And when you get real with yourself and you figure out what you need to do in your life, to have the, the dream life that you want, it, it may not happen right away. Like for me, when I dropped out of college, I, I it was scary because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And that went on for a couple of years. Even though I had that little in-between with the permanent makeup, I still knew myself well enough to know that that's not where I wanna be later in life. And I don't see myself having gold in this exact career, but I knew myself well enough that it doesn't come down to me being lazy. It doesn't come down to me being a person who won't ever be successful. I knew those character characteristics about myself to know that when I find my passion, I will be able to make it work and I will enjoy my life. I will enjoy what I do. And that's the most important thing. So I think just know yourself and you, you know, if, what you're in is not serving you if you're not happy. And I think it's okay to make changes. It's definitely okay to make changes. And I think I, I had this conversation um, this this week, it's Tuesday, so I had it yesterday. Um, I had this conversation yesterday with a client and it was that, well, I thought I was passionate about what I was doing. They had just started their own business. I convinced them to quit their nine to five and they were already doing a side hustle. It was um, carpentry and they were making a very decent living on their side hustle. I was like, why, why are you still working a nine to five? If you just do this, put your all into this. You have enough money, focus on this. And um, they said that once they quit, they were having a hard time. It, it felt like they were making themselves do it, but they didn't understand why because they loved carpentry. And I think that going to your point of being self-aware and really spending time alone with your thoughts and spending time thinking on big decisions like following your passion and being an entrepreneur, um, you have to realize how much of a role is fear playing. So like for them, they love carpentry. They love doing it for other people. They'd already been doing it for years, 10 years. The fear of not of failing and not being successful at making that their full-time job was holding them back from pouring into that, their new career as an entrepreneur. And I think that that just takes, everyone has fear, especially fear of failure. It is not natural for someone to be excited about something new that statistically is more likely to fail than succeed. And that's what your cookbook is. You're way more likely to fail at your cookbook than you are to succeed in your cookbook. You're way more likely to fail at opening a business. And those, these are all risks, risks that people take. But understanding what is fear and what is you not following your passion are two different things. So I think that that, um, to your point, you, if you are going to take a big step, like dropping out of college and finding out what you're truly passionate about or quitting a job, you have to be okay with being alone with your thoughts because that, even as a business owner myself, there, there is at least once a day where I have to shut my office door or I have to turn off my computer and just sit there and be like, all right, what the hell am I doing right now? 
which task is more important? What do I need to spend time on? And, and I think if more people just took the time to be alone with themselves, a lot of this fear of failure would dissipate or at least lessen. I don't yeah, know if that was too much of a change. 100%. No, no, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think I even experienced that this year with the whole cookbook thing. Cause like what you said, when it's your passion, it's kind of like your baby. Like when somebody doesn't like it or it doesn't go as well, it that hits you a lot harder than something you never saw as like permanent. Like it doesn't have a piece of your heart. And this Thanksgiving, after my cookbook had launched, I had, we had cooked for some people and went over to their house. And I remember for the first time in my life, I was so nervous for people to eat the food that I brought because I knew that the recipes were from the cookbook. And I was like, if they don't love it, that is gonna be a hit to me about something I put so much work into and was so excited for. Oh, for sure. And then now you add in like social media and you add in people can leave you reviews and there's so much that can get in the way that I totally resonate with what you said when it comes with fear. And when, when your passion's involved, you get protective. And I, I experienced that for the first time. Like for the first time I was nervous to bring my food. And I think too, just what you were talking about with getting alone with your thoughts. I knew that before I dropped out of college, that it had been months, like going on years of feeling miserable, knowing that it wasn't a passion. But I wouldn't advise anybody to just on a whim decide to quit in something. And I, I knew going into my cooking that like, this is a passion. So if there's lows, I'm not quitting on this. Like if there's highs, obviously I'm going to keep pushing forward, but there's going to be ups and downs in this. And I've learned this actually from my husband being in his career for you know, professionally for five years, there's no way that he could keep doing what he's doing if he did not have the passion to pull him through the ups and the downs. So it had yes. been a lot of years that I, months, pushed, like almost two years, that I knew what I was doing was not helping me. But I think really take time before you make permanent decisions, you know, don't make permanent decisions on temporary feelings and get a clear mind and, have people in your corner that know you well enough because my mom in that in that situation knew me well enough to say this isn't helping you this is harming you more than it's helping you and it's okay to take a break and step back and we'll figure out what to do from there well what a blessing that is to have parents that were that understanding because that is not everyone's i i spend a lot of time explaining to younger parents or parents of like tweens like and they come in, well, what's, what's, we want to continue saving for their college. And, and there's multiple ways to save for college, but I spend time explaining what is the real, that college is not supposed to be the next step of high school. There's so many career paths that don't, you don't need, what I do, you do not need a college degree. You do not need a college degree. You need to pass some licensing tests that are pretty difficult, but you don't need to go take algebra two or business calc or, or uh, what are or some other freshman classes with 400 people in your class when you go to those big schools? I mean, the, the, if we just spent more time educating our children about business management, real life experiences, how to be organized, work ethic, huge. Work ethic is huge. I don't know why that's not a, a whole entire course in high school. How to persevere through difficult situations. Um, I don't think college would be as necessary. It certainly wouldn't be as expensive. 
So I, I mean, no shame in your game of quitting, but yes, because so many, when I just, I remember being in high school when everybody was getting their like, you've been accepted letters. And there was just so much pressure to also be accepted somewhere. Like, oh, do yeah. you remember that at your high school? Oh my God. I, yeah, I, I had so much anxiety because I had only applied to one school. I was like, I, I need to get into that school. <laughs> I need to. I to yeah, one. I totally do. I, I even felt the pressure when people would ask what my major was. And I felt like saying entrepreneur wasn't enough, you know, because everybody's like, oh, you're going to school for a business degree. You know, that was kind of like the joke. And why was that a joke? I feel like out of all the degrees you can get, that's far more useful than like- Because I think it, the, the idea behind it was that people going to get a business degree were the kids that were pretty much had no like direction in life. They were just going to get a business degree. <laughs> At least that's where I was like, that's how it was where I went to school. So people would say, oh, they don't know what they're doing. They're getting a business degree. And it was kind of like, well, college is just like what you said, the next step after high school. And I, coming from a family of entrepreneurs, when I got there and I'm sitting there and I'm going through these classes, I was like, what is this? Like, I have literally learned more on YouTube than I have sitting in a full semester in this class. So now I- Well, you also had a wealth of knowledge at, in your home. That, I mean, honestly, just your parents, the knowledge, the resource of your parents is far more valuable than a college education because they have experience. And I believe it's a family business. It was something that their parents were into. And they, I believe from our conversation, they were the ones, your parents that really worked hard and made it into something much larger. Yeah, I my family story is very unique and interesting. And I think if I wouldn't have had them, I, I would just be living the everyday life, you know, which nothing is wrong with that. And I, people no. that we need everybody in everything. But for me, I just knew that like, I had to prioritize my emotional health, my mental health. And then thankfully I was in a situation where I had time to figure it out. Like I didn't have right. to worry and stress. There's a lot of people that don't have that time to figure things out. It's like, yes. I'm, you know, I had a lot of friends that had to take out student loans to do this and they're not quitting on that. There was, there was a lot invested for them. So I understand that. I know that I was super fortunate in my situation to be able to do what I did. And that comes back to my parents. So I'm like the second generation or like third generation of like being able to really be blessed and not have to worry about a lot of things that people do. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is an incredibly valuable conversation. And I want to thank you for joining me tonight. The late is not past nine o'clock, so I don't want to hold you too much. Oh, yeah. What time is it for you? Okay, I don't know. Yeah, it's still bright out. I can see the dusk coming through coming through your window. So where do, would you prefer people contact you? So you can follow me on my Instagram. I have like my website and everything listed through there. And that's at the Sydney Jones and it's C-Y-D-N-E-Y Jones. And my website is there. You can go to acountrygirlsguide.com to check out my cookbook and stay tuned for more. Yes. Yeah, I'll have and listed, thank you so much. And so all fun. of your, oh yeah. No, we need to, uh, I need to come up there, over there. Yeah, you really do. Up, up, over there. Up, up and, and over. so much fun with the girls. Oh my when God. When they came and yeah. visited you. It was so jealous. It was so much fun. 
It's know, just really hard to make the excuse to travel to a game when he's not playing. It's like, hey, babe, you want to go watch your game even though you're going to stay home with the kids, so. Yeah, and it's hey. not, we're not even on the same coast. It's such a long flight. Maybe so. Off season is soon. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, our paths are not done crossing. And that's what I love about the NFL is that I've been able to meet people and we all disperse throughout the United States and we remain such good friends. I love that. Yeah, it's super valuable because, and this is our community, there's just some things that people aren't going to get. And it's really important to have pillars within our community. And I'm so glad I met you, but okay. I will stop recording and I want to thank you, Sydney, for coming on to another episode of Failure Friday. If anyone has any interest on being on the podcast, we are booked up for the next couple months, but I would love to have you. Please send me a DM and we can talk about getting you on. Um, And I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Have a good night.